Good morning, EVC. How are we doing today? Everybody good? Good morning. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to the early service. That's a, a little clip from one of my favorite comedians, Brian Regan. He uh, has a lot of pretty funny insights, especially when it comes to parenting. We're, con- we're continuing a series today called Ruling the Roost. We started last week. We got off to a really good start last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to check it out online if you missed it. One of the things that we came to is this place of just acknowledging how difficult and tough parenting really can be. It's tough to be a parent, amen? I mean, we all understand that. No matter what age our kids are, there's still a lot of difficulty that goes along with it. There's no doubt in my life, and as I shared with you last week, that some of the most incredible blessed times that I've had in my life has come through my experience as a parent but also some of the most challenging times that I have experienced in my life have come through those times as being a parent, right? Whenever you're you're watching your kids maybe go through some really difficult or challenging things in their own life, and you're kind of of watching them go through that, and you can't really maybe do anything about that. You know, parenting has produced some very fearful times in my life. It's produced painful times in my life, but it's also produced a lot of joy, And so there's a lot of mixed kinds of emotions, up and down emotions that come along with parenting. And, 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 you know, and one of the things that we determined last week, we said this, is that parenting can just really be pretty scary. I mean, it's scary sometimes because we realize how much is really out of our control. And we, we especially realize that God has entrusted this person into our care to bring them up, person or, or a number of folks maybe within your home to bring up. And so we looked at this passage last week. We looked at a passage uh, in, in, the, in the gospel of Luke by a guy, we looked at a story of a guy named Jairus. And we saw that Jairus went through every parent's worst nightmare. And we learned some things about this, this, this situation that we saw that Jairus was in. He was a man of influence, and yet he literally found himself brought to his knees before Jesus because of a situation that was happening with his daughter that literally was out of his control. And, and he was struggling with this. And so many of us as parents really related to that. And we drew some principles last week from looking at this powerful story in one of the Gospels there of a parent that was struggling and a parent that was really just going through a difficult time watching their child go through something. And, and so many of you said that you related so much to that. And, you know, and, and what we learned last week was this, is that we learned, first of all, that we're not in control, Right? We may think that we're in control. We may try to rule the roost. We may think that we kind of have it all together, but we're not necessarily in control. The second thing we learned was that parenting will teach us how to become dependent upon Christ. It teaches us. It refines us. As Sam was talking about, God begins to refine us as we watch Jairus brought to his knees. We watch Jairus calling out to Christ to come to his house. And what did he say? He said the most basic prayer a parent can pray. And many of you have prayed this and we prayed it last week. And what was that prayer? Help. We need your help. We need you to come and be the center of our family. Come into our family. Come into our home. And we learned this last week too, that Jesus is really attentive to hurting parents. And we saw that he calls us to parent in faith, not in fear. That's some of the things, just a recap of what we learned last week. And when we parent in faith, 
what do we say? It can begin to be projected out upon our own kids. And so when we parent in, in fear, is what I mean to say, when we parent in fear, we end up uh, a lot of times becoming one or two extremes. We can become paranoid parents. We learned that last week where we see where that kind of parent is overly controlling. They're trying to control every aspect of their child's life, whether they're a small child. And sometimes this carries over into uh, adult children as well, where they're maybe just trying to control every single part of their child's life. And, and oftentimes a paranoid parent being overly strict or, or really one who is very controlling will oftentimes push that child maybe even farther away. And so that is a parent-centered family. We also learn that fear can produce permissive parents. And we see that permissive parents are maybe incredibly high on hugs, but because they don't ever want to be perceived by their children as maybe being, you know, uh, uh, mean or, or they always want to be their kid's best friend or whatever, they won't ever do the hard work of bringing discipline into their child's life. And so they go to this complete other extreme and they become permissive parents. And they focus so much on, on the person and maybe on the emotional side of things that they won't do the hard work of showing love by bringing discipline into that child's life. A paranoid parent focuses so much on the, on the actions of the child that they forget about the person of the child. And so we kind of learned about this, that we can go to these different extremes in our families. Permissive parents end up becoming child-centered families. And what we, if we're not careful, what we end up doing is we end up enabling them to become very self-centered, they, they, they start thinking that the whole world maybe kind of revolves around them. We enable them to become narcissists and, because they have a lack of discipline in their life. And, and, and as amazing as we all think our kids are, right? We all love our kids. We all think they're amazing. We all think they're the best. I mean, the scripture is very clear that the word of God says this, that, that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. They are sinners, just like we're sinners, they have this proclivity towards sin, this sin nature that they are born with. And so, and so, but the scripture goes on and says, but the rod of discipline drives that far away from them. And that rod is not a rod for beating or anything like that. The rod of discipline, it's kind of like a shepherd, okay? A shepherd would use a rod and the rod would be something that they would use to lead the sheep, all right? And kind of keep them uh, in following with that shepherd there. And so that's what that more or less means. And so we see a lot of child-centered families. We see a lot of parent-centered families. And what we said last week is, is that that's going to be imbalanced. What we really need more than anything is we need Christ-centered families. Amen? We want to land somewhere in the middle there with Christ at the center of our, of our family. And so, you know, what happens to a child that grows up with permissive parents and they grow up maybe into this kind of narcissist or this self-centered kind of way of thinking um, is that they go out into the world, they leave the nest, right? And then they get a very rude awakening that the world is, is not exactly like that. The world doesn't maybe care the way that mom and dad does. And so they get this rude awakening. But our job as parents is to prepare them for flight, is to prepare them to leave the nest. It's to, it's to bring that love and nurture in their life, but also that balance of discipline in their life as well. So we said we want to land somewhere in the middle. We have all kinds of parents here today. We have single parents that are here in our church, a lot of single parents who have to play both the roles of, of mom and dad. 
We have a lot of blended families, and these parents are, are trying to bring two families together as the best that they can. We have parents of, of small kids. How many of you this morning, you have small kids, maybe toddlers, any infants? Would you raise your hands this morning? Do we have any in the early? Okay, we have some of them. These, these folks look very sleepy. They look sleepy. They need sleep, right? Can you guys tell? We have parents of teenagers. How many parents of teenagers do we have? Look, at the, look around. Just okay. A lot of parents of teenagers in this service. These people look cynical. I don't know if you've seen their faces, but they look a little bit cynical. Okay, we, uh, we have, do we have any who, who is expecting? You haven't had any kids yet, but you're expecting, okay, all right? And probably not in this service. There'll be a bunch of them in the next service probably, okay? And we look at them and the rest of us say, suckers, right? Welcome to our world whenever we see them. And then we have the empty nesters. How many empty nesters do we have a lot in the early service? These people have a big smile on their face is what I see. They've got this big smile. They're just kind of looking around, chuckling to themselves. You know, let me just say, I was so blessed last week to have one of our empty nesters come up to me after this service and say, Bart, when you started talking about parenting, I was thinking they have empty nesters. Their kids are gone. I was thinking you wouldn't have anything for me in this. But, but she said to me, she said, but God really spoke to me that my parenting is not over. Parenting's not over. And that's something that God wants to continue with all of us. And there's something that God has for each of us today. If we will just open our hearts and say, Lord, we really just need you to teach us. We need you in our homes. Just like Jairus said, we need you to come into our families. We need his help. And so here's what I want to do. Before we break open the word, you can start turning in the book of Ephesians. We're going to look in chapter 4 and part in verse five, or chapter 5 as well as in chapter 6. Okay, We're not going to cover all those. We're going to hit a little, just a few here and there. But here's what I want to do. I want us just to pause and let's just really ask the Lord to be our teacher. Will you just bow your heads with me right now and let's just call out to him. Father, we are inviting you. We need you so much right now to come, Lord, into this place, to come into our lives and to be our teacher. Lord, we are, we are asking you to be close to us right now, Lord. Lord, to show us today how to parent our children the way that you, our perfect heavenly Father, the way that you parent us. Lord, would you make us more like Jesus? Love what Sam was saying this morning, Lord, how you refine us. You are refining us, and you have given us this charge to be your instrument to refine the children that you have entrusted to our care. And Father, we acknowledge this, that we can't do this without you. We have parents at all different stages here today. We have grandparents we have some that maybe they don't have kids, but they have, they have kids that are in their life that they have influence over as aunts and uncles. Lord, we know that you have a word for every one of us today if we will, Lord, open ourselves up to you for you to teach us. So, Lord, teach us how to shepherd their hearts, not just their actions. Teach us how to shepherd the person. Teach us how to love them the way that you love us with a balance of tenderness but also, Father, with loving discipline in their lives. We invite you now to do that in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And all God's people said, amen. All right, I'm really excited about what we're going to look in Scripture. It's amazing how as, we, how as the years go on, we evolve as parents, right? As, as our kids' stages change, as we grow, as we mature as parents, as we learn things, maybe in hindsight... And uh, we planted DVC 16 years ago, which is crazy for me to think of that, but we did. And in that 16-year period, I've probably done maybe three parenting series. 
And I was looking back on some of these parenting series, just kind of seeing, okay, what, what did I say early on and whenever my kids were, were younger, all right? And it was it's really kind of funny. I would go back and read some of my messages, and I'd be like, I was an idiot for saying that, okay? I cannot believe I said that. I thought I knew everything about parenting in my 20s, all right? I'm an expert in this, and this is how you do this. And, and I found that my, that my style in my messages at that time was a little more dogmatic about certain things. Do this this way. I'm going to give you these tips, you know, or whatever. And, and then I looked at the, at the second series that I did, and I noticed that it, that it wasn't quite as dogmatic, okay, because I had been a parent for a little longer now, and I was learning some things about, you know what, what I said in the first series, that wasn't quite working the way that I thought it would. And so God was kind of refining me as a parent. And then I did a, another series a few years ago. And, and, you know, here is what I know. And I just want to say this to you. I'm not a parenting expert. I'm a parent. I'm a journeyman. I am on this journey with you. I'm still learning. I have teenagers now, one that has graduated high school, one that's in middle school. And, you know, and, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And I've, I've, I've been fortunate to have my parents who are in this service and in our church, and have been, and, and, and because of the depth of our relationship and the closeness, I lean on them heavily for, for times where I, I just need counsel and wisdom and advice. And, and, and so I've gotten that from my, from my mom and from my dad because of their positive influence in my life. In the 25 years that I've been in ministry, you know what I've seen? I've, I've learned some incredible parenting things from some of you because you've, you've done it well. And I've learned some things from what I've, I've seen in some of your lives, in your families. I've seen parents do amazing jobs with their kids. And I've also seen some parents, and I'm going to say this too, that have really blown it with their kids. But here's what I know. I've blown it too. At certain times, I've really blown it. And, and I've wished that I could go back and say something different the way, than the way that I said it to my kids or, or, or have that, that moment of impulse where I did something wrong or made a mistake in my parenting back and, you know, and, and so whenever I say I've, I've watched some of the parents in our church over the years kind of blow it there, too, I don't say that with condemnation. I say that with hurt in my heart because I know that's not what they set out to do. We just all blow it from time to time. Have any of you messed up in your parenting? Yeah, I mean, you have, right? We all have blown it. We all mess up. We're all imperfect in this, which is why we wanted to just start the series by saying, Lord, help us. We need you to help us because we struggle in knowing how to do this, right? We struggle at knowing how to, to do this without, without hurting them so, you know, as we maybe bring discipline or maybe as we, as we know how to balance that love, which is, is one of the reasons why I really love that Brian Regan clip because you can see he was kind of struggling with, how do I do this? How do I bring instruction in his life without maybe, what did he say? Crushing the joy that's in your heart or something like that. You know? How do you do that? And that's what we, we're really trying to get at in this series. And, and, and so I, I, I've seen also this. I've seen some amazing parents just do everything from what I could tell to seem to be just the right way to bring up kids and you know what I've seen sometimes happen? I've seen kids that have even still walked away and decided that that's not what, you know, they, want, they don't want to live their life that way. And I've watched parents who have gone through a lot of hurt trying to put their thumb on that. How do you deal with that? 
How do you deal with that hurt? Where did we go wrong? Where did it go sideways? And I've, I've, I've been with parents who have struggled with that and, I, and even have been with them trying to kind of help them put the, take the pulse of that. Not like I, I could figure it out because it looked to me like everything was done right. But here's what we know. And this is something that we also can take away. For those of you who are, maybe that's where you're at, is your grown children have, 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 you know, you felt like you did the best that you could and maybe there's a struggle there now. Here's what I know. God is the perfect parent, the perfect father, and yet we, his children, still on a regular basis rebel against him, don't we? Okay, so it's, so it's not always that the parent did something wrong. They have a sin nature. They have a free will. They have a choice. They make choices in their lives, and sometimes they make the wrong choice because, again, they are sinners just like we are. My point from all this is that there is no perfect cookie-cutter formula that I'm going to try to give you through the rest of this series of this is what is going to make you a successful parent. There's, there's just too many variables. I'm going to, I want to show you some things in God's Word because that is the, the one constant that we can take away, not what me as, an, as a fallible father can bring before you and my opinions about things, Okay. We all of us could give opinions and tips and and you know all of us could say I think you ought to do it like this or whatever And that's not what we wanted this series to be about We didn't want it to be about uh, About just some some opinions about certain things. I just want to give you some I didn't want to give you like well Here's three easy parenting tips and a nice poem to make you cry. Okay, that's not what I wanted to do I really wanted this to be let's really get down to the nuts and bolts of what parenting is about And here's what I know that it is for sure that I'm learning. It is about a relationship. The relational aspect of parenting is what I really want to focus on today uh, as we get ready to even move in in the next couple of weeks and talking more about discipline because here is an absolute fact right here, all right? You can take this down as being dogmatic, but this is just that this is the truth right here. And this isn't in your notes, but this is a good thing to write down. Relationship equals influence. Relationship equals influence. When you carry a relationship, what I'm learning about just my own parenting through the years, and I've been a parent now for 19 years, what I'm learning is this, as I've studied scripture, as I looked at it, I've been studying it in my own life, biblical parenting, here's the first thing to write down, biblical parenting is rooted in relationships. Biblical parenting, and that doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what age, it doesn't matter what age your children are, whether, again, all stages, whether you have small kids, whether you have adult children that you are still trying to love and parent. You never stop loving them. You never stop caring for them. Biblical parenting, as we're going to see today, is rooted in relationships, teaching them first what it means to have a relationship with God and teaching them also to know how to have relationships with other people. Because guys, we know this, whenever it all is, is, is boiling down to what really matters in life, what really matters in our lives, our relationships, right? The relationship with God and the relationship with other people. It's not all the external things that matter. It's the relationships that really count. And so some parents think that they are successful by maybe having their child involved in every single activity, or maybe they they measure the success of their parenting by, by how high their child's GPA is. So you have that one extreme that that's how they measure success in parenting. 
Some people measure their parenting uh, success with, well, everyone is eating and living indoors, so we're all good, okay? And you know what? Some of you, maybe that's what you grew up with, and that's kind of what you have had in your life. And here's what I bet many of you would say, you're still carrying wounds from that kind of mentality today. If that's what you grew up with, is there was no nurturing, there, was, there wasn't love to go along with, the, to balance with the discipline, or maybe there was indifference that you saw in your parents where they, they were aloof in the way that they treated you and weren't close to you or sought you in pursuit in a relationship with you. And so, and so a lot of times we, we, we try to measure the success of our parenting by activity or by just the basic necessities, okay? And again, we want to be sure that, that that's not what we're measuring our parenting in. Successful parenting can be measured oftentimes in relationship, in relationships, okay? So go ahead and look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to focus on the relational side of parenting, which is really, all right, we're doing this in sequence. Paul does this in sequence in the book of Ephesians as well as in many other books that he wrote and letters that he wrote there, okay? He does this in sequence, that God gets to the root of the relationship before he ever gets to the part of discipline in our lives, all right? There's a relationship that must be established, all right? And this is how Paul lays it out, all right? And I heard my wife say this this week, so um, I don't really know who originally said this, but I heard Hope say it this week. So as far as I'm concerned, Hope gets credit, okay? And uh, uh, especially in light of the things that I put her through last week. She deserves it, right? Are you agree with it? She was in the second service. She's like, I cannot believe you said those things. And, uh, and so, but here's the deal. Actually, I think maybe Andy Stanley or maybe Josh McDowell said this, but here's what, here's what I heard Hope say this week. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And I had this sobering thought this week, and I hope that you feel the weight of this the way that I felt the weight of this when I was thinking through this uh, this past week. As, 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 as parents, you feel the weight of this. As grandparents, you feel the weight of this. Here's what I want you to feel today. As a parent, we plant a seed in the lives of our children on what they perceive and think God is really like. Whoa. Do you feel the weight of that? As a parent, we plant a seed that leads to a perception in our child's life of how they oftentimes will relate to God. And I want you, I want you to really think about this, okay? Feel the weight of it. I can't even begin to tell you how many people I have had who have sat in my office or I've had coffee with down at Starbucks or whatever, and they're talking to me about their struggle and their relationship with God, or oftentimes or maybe a struggle in a relationship with other people, okay? And we get to talking, and, they start, and I, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze them or anything like this. Oftentimes, I can't begin to tell you how many times it comes up that there's something that was related to, uh, you know, maybe the way that they related to one of their parents, all right, let me give you an example, okay, or the kind of parent that they had. Um, people who had maybe a, a parent or a dad who was really aloof and really indifferent, didn't pay much attention. Maybe that parent was very self-absorbed. 
You know, whenever what I've seen oftentimes in dealing with people is that they have a really difficult time believing that God could really love them and be close to them. And, 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 and many times they view God as distant. They view God as uncaring. Oftentimes they kind of see God in that kind of reality or, or that kind, that's their perception of God. Uh, God couldn't really be interested in someone like me. That's, that's something that I've seen, you know, for a person who maybe had a, a parent that was aloof or a dad that was aloof. All right. For some who maybe had a parent that was just always angry or always harsh or seemed embittered, oftentimes that person who had a parent like that will struggle very much with the grace of God. And, and they'll, they'll have a difficult time viewing God as a God that really loves them. They'll, they'll say and feel like this. God could not really be compassionate, could he? God couldn't really be patient with someone like me, could he? You know, some who had permissive parents, okay, and maybe your parents were just completely hands-off and you didn't have boundaries in your life and, and they never brought discipline in your life or whatever and you've had to learn things the hard way because, you know, your parents didn't try to bring structure into your life in certain ways. You know what? It's, it's funny how sometimes people that I've talked to who had those kind of parents really only seek the, see the tender side of God and there is a tender side of God But here's what we also know about God, as I'm going to show you next week. Because he loves us, he brings godly discipline in our lives. And so here's what happens a lot of times when a parent is overly permissive. When God begins to bring discipline into the life of a person like that who had a permissive parent, it rocks their world. How could a loving God bring difficulty and discipline in my life? You see what I'm I'm, I'm saying? It's a sobering thought that the relational side of our parenting is sending a major image to our kids that affects their perception of often what they think God is like, which is why parents, moms and dads, beloved friends, which is why it is so imperative, it is so important that we are growing in our discipleship and becoming more and more like Christ every single day. That we are becoming more like him. So, so in the book of Ephesians, Paul's writing to this church at Ephesus. And he's going to spend the first part of the book. And we've gone through this book, okay? But you know the first part of the book, what does he do? He focuses on their relationship with Christ. And he talks about the way that God has adopted them as sons and daughters. He's sealed them. He's redeemed them. We looked at all those words about a year ago and what all that means. And so Paul, in the first part of the book focuses on the relationship that they have with Christ. And then the second part of the book is going to be the outflow of the relationship that they have with Christ. And he's going to focus on their relationship with one another's, uh, with one another. And what, he, what, what, he's in the, what he's essentially saying is this, is because you now know Christ, your relationship with the people who are in your life should look different than the rest of the rest of the world's relationships because you are different you have the holy spirit that is living inside of you now that dwells within you that is refining you that is changing you your relationship as a husband and wife should look different than the world's relationship worldly relationships of husbands and wives your relationship as a parent and child should look different this is what paul is is essentially saying why because paul knew this that Life is all about relationships. 
It is all about relationships, okay? And he's saying, you're different now. So look at how, we're, this is where we're going to start in chapter 4, verse 31. And we're going we're gonna to quickly move through some stuff. And I want to break this text down for you and give you some takeaways today, okay? So chapter 4, verse 31, this is what Paul says, right? We have that. Okay, here we go. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Have you ever thought about that in your parenting? All right, a lot of times we think about that with other people just out in the world, you know, or whatever. But do you know that what he's really focusing in on as we move through this is he's focusing in on relationships within the home and relationships with not only within the home, but within the body of Christ as well, okay, within the church family. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of your rage your anger, your harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Now look at what he's going to say. Because you have the Holy Spirit now that dwells within you, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, let's go to chapter 5, verse 1. And this is really what I want us to pick up on. I want us to say the first two words together. Say it with me, church. What does Paul tell them to do? Imitate God. Say it with me again. What does he say? Imitate God. Think about that, moms and dads. Imitate God, he says. Therefore, in everything you do, that includes the way we parent our children. Imitate God. So in in light of the way we parent our kids, he's saying start thinking about what God is like. Start thinking about how God has been with you and the grace and the love and the discipline and the balance of all of that that he has brought in your life. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Now, look, because you are his dear children. So a lot of times, some of you I know didn't have a parent that modeled what that looks like in your life. Or As I said, some of you didn't. You grew up in homes where there was very little love. Maybe there wasn't any at all. And it was only just the necessities that were provided for you. And sometimes that wasn't even a very good situation, right? And so a lot of times this cycle continues of, and you know, and you don't know how to show affection to your kids or you, you don't know how to, to show grace to your kids. You don't know how to work through conflict with your kids or whatever because it was never modeled for you. And what Paul is saying is there's not an excuse anymore because you have a perfect heavenly father that has modeled that for you in your life. And what he's saying is we are to imitate that. We imitate God in this behavior of our parenting. He's shown you this kind of love as, as, as your beloved you know, father and you are his beloved children. He's demonstrated what a parent's love should really look like. He has unveiled that to you. So it doesn't have to be mysterious anymore. Now look at what he's going to go on and continue, continue to say. And you see how he, he uses this word imitation. He uses this word follow. Okay, look at this in, in verse 2. Live a life even in your parenting, even in your, in your marriage. Live a life filled with love. Say the next phrase with me out loud. Say, say it with me, church. Following the example of Christ. Following the example. So he says imitate God and now he says follow the example. You see what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be, by, be looking to Christ and, and to God the Father as our model for what parenting looks like. And we are to reflect that upon our children. We reflect that as we've learned what it looks like. He goes, he goes on and he says, he loved us. 
And he, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Maybe, again, maybe you didn't see an earthly parent that did that for you and what Paul is saying, but you do have a heavenly father who has shown you what that looks like. And so that cycle of, 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 of there not being love and affection within your family or not being grace or not being having forgiveness, that needs to end with you because you know now what it looks like in Christ. That generational curse can end with you. And so now you begin to reflect what Christ has done in your life to your kids. And we need to understand something. He says this affects your relationships as a husband and wife. It affects your relationships as parents and children. And, and he goes on and he says it should affect your relationship with, with, as a Christian worker with your boss. He talks about all in this aspect of relationships. And this was, this was a radical thing for Paul to be saying. I'm telling you this was radical. Because in the Roman Greco world, when Paul would say things like, husband, love your wives, that wasn't said. They didn't, they didn't treat women in that kind of manner as, as cherishing them in that kind of relationship, okay? When he says, husbands, love your wives, give yourselves up for her. This was revolutionary to this church to hear this because of the culture in which they lived in. It's this beautiful image and picture of Christ. He points us to Christ. Remember when he says, husbands, love your wives as, and offer yourselves up for her, uh, you know, w- washing her feet, serving her the way that Christ has served the church. This was revolutionary. And then he's going to start addressing the parent-child relationship, okay? He says this in chapter 6, verse 1. Let's go to chapter 6. He says, children... Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Say the next thing with me. What does it say? For this is the right thing to do. And all the parents say, amen, right? We love that part of it. Amen. It's funny how whenever you go through these passages and and, uh, wives, submit to your husbands, amen. Amen. Yeah, you know, we forget that the verse right before it says submit to one another, that we are called to submit to one another. Now, now he does establish a family and what a, what, a, what a home should begin to look like. And he begins to talk about this. And he says, wives, love your husbands and show respect towards your husbands. And then he starts moving to the kids. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. All right, so you see the, the, the relationship with Christ is key there for this is the right thing to do. This word obey, what, it, what he means in this is he's saying, listen to them. Listen to them as they speak this instruction in your life. They are fulfilling their responsibility that God has given them to, to bring you up in him. Now, here's what he goes on to say, and he's going he's gonna to quote a passage uh, out of Exodus and a, another passage out of Deuteronomy. He is, he's showing how this obedience is, is it's to be done with the right heart. So now he says this, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, all right? So this is not just, he's saying, don't just obey them just in action. What is he saying? Obey them with the right attitude, right? Whenever we want our kids to move them into doing something for us, I mean, we can oftentimes make them do the action and they can do it with a horrible attitude. And we think, well, I won that. Well, no, we really didn't. Okay. What we want to do more than anything is shepherd the heart. We want to shepherd their hearts, okay? And this is what he's saying. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. And I don't have time to really unpack that today. He goes on and says, though, he says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And everyone said amen about that, right? And you will have a long life on the earth. (laughs) There's a lot of funny things that I could say right there, but, but that's not the focus of the message today, okay? 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep letting you live, boy, okay? All right. But, but here is, here is what, what really we can pull out of this right here. Is he's saying whenever you honor your parents, whenever, we, whenever that, that's established and children learn to do that with the right kind of attitude towards that authority inside the home, it sure makes it a lot easier dealing with authority outside of the home, right? It makes it easier for them to know how to submit to authority of a boss that could be difficult, that doesn't care about them. It could make it easier in the way that they submit to the authority outside of the home. Okay, so that's really and how they treat their spouse and how they treat. There's, there's just so much benefit that goes along with doing it and learning how to obey with the right heart. I mean, you can, you can as a child of God, fulfill the letter of the law, right, in many ways. But what does God really want from you? Your heart, Right? I mean, you can go through the actions of it, but what does he want? He wants your heart. He wants you to, he wants to shepherd your heart. He wants you to do those things. Why? Because you have what with him? A relationship. A relationship. It's rooted in relationships. So he's going to move into this. He's going to say this. Now, he's going to make a radical statement. This is radical. He addresses fathers as God-ordained family head here. That was not radical. That's kind of the way that it was in this particular time. But there, they had, the fathers had a different attitude, a worldly attitude toward the rest of their family. It was more an attitude about position and authority and, and, and kind of wielding that as a weapon over their families. But what he's going to say here, and so they were oftentimes very harsh or they were oftentimes very aloof and not involved in the parenting process. This was very common in the Roman Greco world, okay? And what he's saying is, moms and dads, you've got to partner in this together, okay? He's saying this, fathers, when he says, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, this was a revolutionary thing that he was saying because what is he establishing there? You should have a relationship with them. You should have a relationship with them. He's, he's, moms, he's not discounting you. He's not discounting you because there was an assumption that moms were already actively involved in the raising of children. What he's saying to these dads in this particular time is he's saying this, and fathers, we really have got to listen to this. He's saying, dads, step up and start partnering with your spouse in leading your children. He's saying, don't sit by passive as a man and let her do all of the child rearing. You are to actively be engaged in bringing them up in the Lord. This is what he's going to say. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. This is the relational part of parenting. They parented a lot out of position. In fact, we would say he ruled the roost, okay? They could treat their children however they wanted. They were harsh oftentimes. They were aloof. And the fact that Paul is telling them this, you are now in Christ and you are to treat them differently. You're to treat them in relationship. Paul's talking about relationship. He's saying treat them as God has treated you as a father. The word provoke means exasperate, okay? The word exasperate, what he's saying, it could come in a couple of different ways. It could come through a harsh kind of mentality or it could come from a person who is uninvolved. One of the things that in studies that that, uh, a lot of folks have discovered is that what exasperates teenagers and young adults the most is whenever they didn't have a parent that was involved in giving them direction in their life and that provokes them to anger. When they had a parent that was completely hands-off 
all right? So he's going to go on and say, rather, he says, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This is correction, but notice this. It's not just punitive. It's correction with what? Teaching. Seizing teachable moments. He hits on the relationship first. There's, there's also discipline, but he hits on this balance of relationship along with a loving, uh, you know, uh, loving discipline that happens there. Just like God has done with us. God loves us. God is tender with us. But God will also bring loving discipline into our lives. He's not aloof. He's very active, okay? So here is where I'm going with this, all right? Is we, we gotta, I'm going to give you some takeaways here in the next few minutes, believe it or not, okay? This passage is so rich. In light of this passage, the, questions that, the question I want you to take away from this today and really grapple with, and this is as practical as you can get, folks. I don't care how old your kids are, um, if they're, they're still babies or if you, you have a 50-year-old kid. It doesn't matter, okay? All right? The question that you need to be asking yourself today in light of this passage is, what am I doing right now? I'm talking right now to enhance my relationship with my kids. What am I doing? Paul really wants us to think of parenting relationally. See, this can go for whatever stage you're in. You don't cease being a parent just because your kids have moved out and they've moved on. The, the dynamics of the relationship has changed, but you still have a relationship. It's a great question. What am I doing? If I were to ask, how many of you want to uh, have a great relationship with your kids, would you raise your hand, all right? Every hand of every parent would, yes, I want that. I want a great relationship. If I were to ask you, why is that important? There'd be all kinds of different uh, opinions about that. Why, uh, here's why I would, or here's what I think about that, or whatever, okay? But I want to give you just a couple of vital reasons to take away with you and to reflect upon in what you're doing to enhance and why this is so important. If you're taking some notes, write this down, all right? When it matters the most, the quality of your relationship with your children will determine the weight of your influence in their life. The quality of the relationship will determine the weight of the influence in your life. We know this to be true, don't we? I mean, you think about this with me, moms and dads. Some of you had a father that, or a mother that left you or was not involved in your life as a child, or maybe they were there, but they were distant and they didn't show affection to you, or, you know, or maybe they were just mean all the time or whatever. And, and if, if the, as, as an, you're an adult now, they tried to call you up and say, hey, I really want to I really give you some wisdom and some counsel about certain things in your life right now. You most likely would feel like going cats in the cradle on them, right? Okay. You know what? You didn't have time for me back then. I don't have time for you. Is this true or not? I mean, you guys with me, right? Why? Because you know the quality of the relationship determines the amount of influence that they have now. Right? It determines that. You know, you didn't care about me. Then what, what makes you think I think you care about me now? And I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's the way that it is. Okay? That's the way that it often is. And so a key to, to parenting and, and, and grandparenting is, is this fact of this. No relationship equals no influence. 
No relationship equals no influence. And on the flip side, some of you had great relationships with your parents. They invested in you. They poured into you. They coached you. They loved you. They they brought wisdom in your life. They brought discipline when it was necessary. You had great relationships in their life. And they come alongside you now and they say, you know, what do you, I, I think, you know, because again, depending upon the parenting stage, what do you think about this? Or, you know, or, or maybe you ask them for advice because you know they have wisdom. There's just something that is so important about the transfer of that and moving along with that influence in the different stages of parenting. A couple of quick pictures. You've got one, you've got a high chair, I think. Do we have the high chair on one side? And then you've got the other chair on the other side. The high chair represents whenever they're little and they're totally dependent upon you and you're standing there next to them and you're spoon feeding them and they're asking you why, 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 why a million times, right? And then what do you oftentimes say? Because I said so, right? You are parenting at that point out of position and sometimes that's what we got to do, right? Sometimes, okay? But as they move out of that chair and they move, start moving into the other chair and they're a little older and now it's not always why, 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 it's what do you think about this or what about this? And, and if you're just standing over them and saying, because I'm the parent, that's why, All right? Sometimes that might work, but in most cases, what, the very thing you are seeking, which is relationship and maybe in some cases control, what does that child begin to do? They start pushing away. So in that one chair, there has to begin to be a shift when they move to the other chair of, of knowing how to shift in your parenting in, in the influence in the relationship and the influence that happens, and it is built through your relationship, your relationship with them, you building credibility with them. Because in the, in, the, in the high chair, I'm bigger, I'm mom, I'm dad, and that's why. You know, I'm taller than you. I can pick you up when I want. I can set you down when I want. I can do, I'm in control. What do we know, moms and dads? That doesn't last very long, does it? As they start getting older. If I want to have influence, the older they get, then I'd better have a transition from having influence purely because of my size and position. All right? It comes from the depth and the health of the relationship. It's been a long time since my dad picked me up, all right? He's sitting right over there and put me in a car and said, this is what you're going to do, all right? And he might could still do it. I don't want to test him, all right, because he's meaner than I am. He is. He might could do it, but here's what I know. I know how to undo the buckle, all right? Now, okay? But you see what I'm saying? And so, and so, as as we begin to grow, Luke now Luke is a is a nineteen year old, and I used to could you know muscle Luke around pretty easy. Luke hurts me now, okay. So influence and the way we influence has to begin to shift and change. Let me tell you something right now. Pops has influence in my life, and whenever he speaks up about something because of the nature of the relationship, I listen. My mom has incredible influence in my life because of the depth of the relationship. When she says something about something, now listen, I may not do exactly what they say, but I certainly heed their advice and listen and prayerfully consider what they're saying because there is depth in the relationship. And they, they, they are not perfect parents. They wouldn't claim to be perfect parents. But one thing that I can say in front of my church family is they worked hard at building a relationship with me and my sister. 
I'm thankful for that. It changed my life, okay? It changed the direction of my life. I can't imagine where I would be without that, all right? So we have to begin to transition that. Back to the passage in Ephesians. Paul says, um, he says, don't exasperate them. In the book of Colossians, he says it another way. Parents or fathers, don't embitter them. I love the way the message reads. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Read the next part with me. We said this last fall, and I love it. What does he say? Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. I love that. I love the imagery of that. Lead them in the way of the master. What is he saying? It's all relationship. Where he says, bring them up in the instruction of the, of the Lord. Bring them up is actually one word in the Greek, and it means nourish them, build into them, come alongside them, coach them, pour into them. What is he saying? It's all relational. It's all relational. All right, here's another takeaway, and this is a heavy one. Here you go. Our relationship with our children will impact the quality of every one of their future relationships. Our relationships as moms and dads will impact the quality of their future relationships. It's a heavy and sobering thought for us to consider that the way that we have relationship with our kids and build into them will establish them emotionally in the way that they deal with relationships as an adult. It absolutely will. It is, we have this key that God has given us to an emotional, healthy person. God has, has, has placed this responsibility upon us as they are in our care to train them up to be emotionally stable in this, okay, as we relate with them. He gave them to us as parents to be their primary influencers, to teach them how to work through conflict, to teach them how to forgive, to teach them how to do these certain kinds of things. If we never, if we never do that and we're not emotionally healthy as adults, oftentimes that transfers on with the kids because they never learn how to do it from us, all right? We often fall back to the default mode or they, uh, uh, of the dysfunction that maybe they, that they experience as a child or you experience as a child. This is why, just very quickly, this is why I like, I, uh, you know, and I, su- I do suggest this, that, that fathers, that you date your daughters, that you date them, you spend time with them. I, I, I take, and I've taken Trinity on dates. I know a lot of you do the same thing where you take your daughters on dates. Why? Because I want to model before her what a godly man should look like and how a godly man should treat her. Okay? All right? I want her thinking when that fuzzy-headed little boy, you know, comes along whenever she's 45 and starts dating. Okay? I want, when that happens... I want her to think, I would much rather have a nice bald man, all right? That's really not what I want her to think. But what I really want her to think about is this. I want it imprinted in her brain that this is how a man should treat me. This is how a man should should treat me, and, and it's not about what he can get out of me, right, or get from me. I want that imprinted in her brain so that whenever maybe that person, she maybe goes on a date and meets somebody and they start not doing that, something in her brain clicks and she says, you know what, there's something not right with the way that this guy does this, you know. I want, I want that imprint upon her life, okay? I want to I imprint the, uh, upon the heart of my son how he should treat 
women, you know, I, and so I spend time, we've spent time talking about that and, you know, and what that looks like. And, but the best way for me to imprint that upon my son's heart is by the way that I treat my wife in front of him, right? You see, it's all relationship. It's all modeling this. And I'm not perfect at it, but I want to do my best. I want to show Luke that you can be a godly man. You can have, uh, be an authoritative person and be a leader and those kinds of things and still, just like Jesus, be a servant, right? You can do dishes. You can serve their mother. You can wash her feet in all kinds of different ways, right? I want them to learn that. But if I don't have the relationship, then I don't have the influence. I just think this is so key. So what am I doing to enhance the relationship? All right, it's time to quit, okay? But I want to give you these takeaways. Here's your homework. Here's what you can do right now. Start doing I don't care how old your kids are. This is what you can do. At any point, you can begin to do this. Every person needs this. Every child needs this. Every person needs this. First thing, encouragement. Because this world is beating all of us down, Right? So how am I encouraging them? Our kids need that. The writer of Hebrews says, while it's still called today, encourage each other. Don't wait. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Verbalize it. Write them a letter. You know, my mom and dad have written me a lot of letters. Can I tell you this? I don't think they even know this. I have never thrown away one of those letters. I treasure them. Write them a letter. That's something that they will keep. It's something that, you know, and, and, and write them a letter, encouragement. Here's another thing, acceptance. Help them to know that they're accepted not by the dance that they can do or the way that they perform. And all this is modeling what God brings into our life, right? He brings encouragement to us he, he, when we're discouraged. He accepts us not for how uh, we can behave or act, but because of who we are and the position that we have within him. So, so this kind of encouragement. I mean, even Jesus himself got this from his heavenly father at his baptism, right? Whenever his father said, in front of all the people, this is my son in whom I love and whom I am what? Well pleased. He hadn't even done anything yet in ministry, which is an amazing thing, right? To think of. It wasn't based upon what he had done. It was his position as a son, all right? One of the most special moments that Luke and I had was a few years ago when we went up on top of Mount Ptarmigan in, in Colorado, and I was up there with Luke, and I got to spend that time on top of him telling him it was a, it was a memorable time. And I said, Luke, I want you to know you are my son in whom I love and whom I am well pleased. And if, if, if we lined up all the kids all around the world, you're the one that I want to go to battle with. I accept you no matter what you do. And I gave him a necklace because I want him to, I want him to remember that. All right? So acceptance. And here's what every kid needs. You know this too. Time time. You say, well, I, I, I try to give the best quality. I'd say quality is great, but you know what? They also need quantities of it. Quantities of quality is what we want. Quantities of quality, because here is what we know. Without time, relationships are not built. So you got to spend time modeling through time with them. Okay, we got to pray. Let's pray. If you're in the third service, I just keep rolling, all right? But I can't. Some of you are going, I'm never going to the third service now. <laughs> what is your question? What am I doing to, take, to enhance the relationship I have with my child? 
What am I doing? Some of you, maybe you have a strained relationship with an adult child. And again, maybe there was some failure on your part, but maybe there wasn't as well. Remember, they, they can make their choices. Say, I don't know how to begin repairing relationships. I, I can't give you an exact formula for that, okay? But here's what I would say. Give that situation over to the Lord. Give it up to God. And then in every possible way you can, be a servant and be humble. Just be a servant and be humble. The best that you can. I, I can't tell you I can magically fix this for you. Again, they, they have a will, right? All you can do, and we say this on a regular basis, is what you know God's leading you to do. Would you just begin praying for your kids right now? Just praying for them. Ask God to show you what you could do to enhance these relationships. Maybe it's through time. Maybe it's through just letting them know they're accepted. Maybe it's just through encouragement, writing them a note, building that in. Father, thank you that you have been the supreme model of what a a parent should look like for us. And just as last week we said we need your help, Lord, we again come before you humbly today. Parents at all stages in their seasons of parenting, crying out to you, God, saying, help us. Help us know how to reflect Christ to them. Give us your wisdom. Show us how to love the way that you love. Lord, show us how to begin to discipline the way that you discipline with the end in sight, not just out of a punitive kind of way, but because you're trying to refine us. And that's driven by your love. Help us to realize that relationship equals influence. In Jesus' name we pray.